0: So Welcome back to the jetcentric centric podcast, everyone. It has been a while. I feel like I've said that as an intro to episodes before, but I don't think it's ever been quite this long since we've uh, hopped on here and had a chat. So We are sitting here at the uh, end-ish of September. We're a couple weeks out from the start of the season, and we have received the most interesting news that Jets fans have received in probably quite some time um Blake Wheeler no longer captain of the Winnipeg Jets but still a player of the Winnipeg Jets so obviously wanted to jump on here and chat I was listening back to some of our old episodes the other day and there was something I don't even remember what it was specifically talking about but C-Mac was on there and he was saying the funniest part about the Jets is that they always end up doing what we recommend on this podcast but usually like three or four years after the fact and it was like haha whatever and then a couple days later here we are Blake Wheeler <laughs> Addressing that there might be some issues going on and uh, that it might be the best course of action going forward for everyone to move away from that uh, chapter of the Winnipeg Jets. So thought that was quite funny and quite timely, but I'm joined by C-Mac today. I'm also joined by Brady. Three of us are going to have a nice little chat today and talk a little bit about the recent events in the Winnipeg Jets world. So, um, C-Mac, why don't I throw it to you first? Why don't you share a little bit about your initial thoughts when uh, the news broke earlier this week? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it wasn't surprising, really. Um, I mean, yeah, I always, those things are funny because with True North, any sort of move is always unexpected, if that makes sense, right? Like, because we're so used to everything being the same and boring and whatever. So, so, on one hand, yeah, it's a little surprising, but on the other hand, it, it sh- should be obvious. Um, sadly, it's a couple of years too late, like you just said, Liz, because. Maybe we'd still have Patrick Liney. Uh, maybe Dustin. Maybe Dustin Bufflin would have wanted to rehab a little harder. And uh, something I'm just thinking about right now. Maybe they would have tried harder to execute the trade that we all thought was coming at the end of last year uh, for like to get rid of Wheeler. Um, seems really. Now that I'm really thinking about it, it seems really weird that they did that and didn't just trade him. And and I mean even four days ago or whenever this happened.
2: No more half measures. Um is a great quote from from Breaking Bad, and uh, this feels very much like a half measure.
1: Yeah. I will
2: say I, I I am personally a little bit more optimistic on it. I still think that it is a good thing. It's a good sign that they finally went okay. You know, like this is this is the time to kind of remove the captaincy from him. A little bit of the whole um, during the Paul Maurice tenure, we always kind of said it's it feels like the inmates are running the asylum. You know, we got Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler kind of. Uh, dictating, uh, you know, ice time and this and that. Whether or not it was them, it was always in their favor. Um, so you know, this season was this season was supposed to be a season of change. Obviously, um, coming to have a new coach finally. And I will say, at very least, it, it is. It does send a bit of a message to the room to be like, "Hey, Rick Bonus is the one in charge here." Oh, c Mac dropped. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, it's it, it will be interesting to see. But at the same time, it does very much feel like a half measure. Like it does very much uh, strike me as a bit odd that you're gonna, you know, yeah, you know move, move the captaincy captain from, from this guy, but still let him be in the room, still let him be a leader. Be leader. Even, even like you know, he, he even says like, like I'm, I'm, st- I'm st- if you think I'm just, I'm think just I'm gonna, gonna be become a wallflower now, like you're sorely, sorely mistaken. And yeah, I found I personally found it a bit weird that that you know Wheeler was hit. It seemed from his interview that Wheeler seems pretty shocked. By the by, the, by, the, by fact the fact that he was he getting stripped was by, the, the by the of the captaincy, and um, I, think I, think was, I think it was I think it was Scott, Scott Billick asked a question, asked basically just being be like, you know, in an in off season where you, you there, was there was very, uh, you know, know there, there were leaks and, and a lot of info, info coming, out, coming out, saying out saying that you know, you know both Blake Wheeler and the Jets are looking for a trade partner. Why did he find it so surprising that you know the captaincy would be removed if he's you know potentially going into Twitter and going, hey Kevin, get me out of here, get me out of here. I don't
0: know. No, that's totally fair. Like I think that uh like the whole concept of, oh, this team needs more leaders and whatever to me is such BS because it's like you don't just take away the captaincy from someone. It's not like every year you just pick a new guy or something like that. It's like for someone to actually have that removed from their jersey is clearly a very deliberate thing to do. But then to kind of as a what's the opposite of double down but kind of like go halfway halfway half, like half back measure. on it and be like but he's still a leader yeah half measure right like he's still a leader he's still part of it like he'll still be around doesn't need a leader on a jersey t- but it's like if you thought there was enough wrong with him to not be the captain shouldn't there be enough wrong with him to not be one of the more vocal leaders in the room still as well kind of thing like it just seems like a very strange but and you know very typical winnipeg jets winnipeg jets organization kind of move but at the same time Doing anything that would shock or surprise or make Blake Wheeler upset is not a very Winnipeg Jets organization thing to do. So, a lot of conflicting feelings about that. C Mac, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, it's all again. Now I'm going to harp on it the whole time. Is that why didn't they just trade him? Um, He obviously the end of the era was two years ago. Um, Why didn't they just trade him? Why is this the thing? Like. And then on top of it, this is what you're selling us. Like, this is, oh, this is our big off-season move, um, which is another crazy thing um, that you haven't done anything to improve your team other than the coaching situation and now possibly upsetting one of your top players, which is crazy. Um, I don't know. It's it's all really, again, it's typical true north on one hand and, and not quite on the other um I don't know exactly yeah I it's it's questionable I don't see I guess maybe is it possible what they're signifying is this is also a guy now that's going to play on the third line and he doesn't have to be on the ice 24 minutes a night because he's not our captain and this is an easy way uh to justify to the hardcore fans that he's not going to be playing um every second shift like he has been the last 10 years
0: could be like, I think that that definitely could be part of it, right? Because, you know, when that was our always our thing is, you know, all of us have gotten into arguments with people on Twitter or even in person about it, right? Where you're making your line combinations and you throw Blake Wheeler in the third line. And people are like, why would Blake Wheeler ever play on the third line? He's their captain. He's our leader. Like the players wouldn't give the same respect to him if he was playing 16 minutes a night, like all these different things. It's like, oh, maybe now there's that, you know, lessened barrier of that quote unquote respect that you think that, he needed to have in order to be a respectable captain in the top six or whatever the heck was going on there. I don't fully know, but I fully agree that it's an interesting move in that sense and that maybe it will help them justify moving him into a more appropriate role and, for his current skill set and ability, if that's what we want to call it.
2: Yeah. Like we don't we don't know exactly you know, what the reasoning was that he wouldn't get dropped down. You know, if it if it was, uh, you know, oh the guys wouldn't respect him as a captain if he's playing 16 minutes a night. But at the same time, like, you can go against that and be like, you know, a captain should be putting his team first, right? It should be a thing where, you know, a, a captain should go, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever we need to do to get the team, you know, to win. And, you know, as he's aging, I mean, maybe it's just him fighting, you know, the aging curve and, and thinking that he's still – a guy who can contribute in a top six role and he can contribute, but just not on all ends of the ice, obviously. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, most, it's it's a really tough situation. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 most, I mean, all competitive guys. I don't remember what I was thinking about the other day or heard somebody talking about, about, Oh, people should, you know, uh, come off the bench in basketball. And, the, and if you're the captain, you should offer that. And, um, that's not a thing about competitive people do, despite the fact that there has been points in the last couple of seasons where we have suggested that that's what Wheeler should have done is gone ahead and gone to the coach and said, I should be playing less on top of that. ah, uh, he doesn't listen to our show, so I don't really care. I don't think there's many more arrogant players in the world than Blake Wheeler. So there, he, there's no chance he's going to be the one to make that decision and would probably have really pushed back had that been offered to him um, despite some, like I say, some of us suggesting it should have been the opposite from him as a captain. And I, and I wonder maybe that's again, going back to, does this mean a diminished role? Maybe that's more what he's upset about rather than the captaincy, because I know none of us are in NHL locker rooms. I've never understood the big thing. You hear the media, especially being like, there's a lot of pressure on the guy now that he's the captain and, you know, it's a lot harder and this and that. It's like, whoa, is it harder to get a shot on net? Is it harder to skate down the ice because you got a letter on your jersey? Like it's real one of those weird narratives, like it's so much harder to play the sport. And it's like I I just don't get that. I can understand off off the ice.
2: Well <sighs> it, even even in, in his in his uh in his press conference with, with bonus there, he he came off pretty snarky. You know, he came off very oh, like yeah. like you know, and and obviously we don't. You know, you don't want to fault a guy for actually having personality, but it doesn't mean that that's just a uh, uh, you know a, a band aid thing where you can't or a, a, a I can't think of the word an all solution where you don't criticize anyone for having personality because at the end at the end of the day he was very snappy with it, and one of the things he even mentioned in there, and I wish I wish one of the reporters would have kind of followed up on it, that he he admitted he said being the captain was a burden him yeah i'm pretty sure at least unless i missed that wait like what did you guys think of of the
0: i don't remember that specifically but no i fully agree that the the conference the press conference was snarky right where he's getting all technical like people will ask the questions and we can get into the whole song and dance of players don't owe media anything media need to ask these questions like all these different things right but there were so many questions that were being asked that people were asking because they were like the elephant in the room and he's like um well theoretically i don't make that decision so i can't speculate on it it's like huh okay like he was just being so like and then kind of almost condescending in that where he's like why would you even ask me that question it's like because it's their job to ask you questions like if you're not going to answer it you're not going to answer it but don't be like talking shit about them because they're not asking a question that you specifically want to answer right but what you're saying about the whole captain being a burden like obviously it's got to be a burden like we've all been captains of our elementary middle school high school sports teams right and it's like there's a little bit of that added whateverness but there are lots of other captains in the league. There are probably, what, 25 teams that have captains, and I don't know if that's a, like, a consistent narrative across the board that, oh, this guy is consistently underperforming because he has the weight of the extra couple stitches of that C on the front of his jersey. Like, I don't know. I don't think I fully believe that that would correlate with his underperformance, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot of weirdness in the room and in the organization that it could be more of a burden for someone to be a captain for this team than some of the others in the league.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, for sure. And he's always played that game with the media and with the baby uh, attitude and the, um, the Connor McDavid eyes with the like, look like you have tears in your eyes when you don't like the question that you're being asked. He's always had that. And I'm thinking specifically about the, game six or whatever against St. Louis when they lost the series. And he went and sat there and said they played their best game. And if you don't think we played our best game, this and that, um, he should have been stripped of the the letter after that, in my opinion, when they had, like, whatever it was, nine shots on goal until there was five minutes left in the game. And then you go on a press conference after and say, that was our best game. For somebody Look, that's so and- comedy and so arrogant, it's, it's weird that he didn't come out and say, no we shit the bed because that's what he should have said right mm-hmm. and, well, instead- and then
0: I think the thing I always remember about Blake Wheeler with the media was when Patrick Lightning got traded and he openly admitted to being part of the problem with that That I was like excuse <laughs> me yeah
1: so so if and again so this is now you've got obviously and we knew this was coming you've got the two main sports writers in the city both writing articles that this was expected and all this and that and it's like, okay, if that's the case, well, we don't need to talk about them, but if that's the case, we all saw these things. We saw it with Trouba, we saw it with Line, we saw it with Bufflin, we saw it with the coach. How did it take until we got to this point for it to be fixed?
0: Right, yeah, oh, for sure. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's similar to the Paul Maurice thing. Like, if Paul Maurice had been fired as one-page as head coach in 2020, um, like, <laughs> it would people would have put out an article and been like, it's not a surprise, it's not a surprise, we've saw, we've seen the writing on the wall, the team was not doing well under him, but then it doesn't happen, right? And everyone's like, well, this is why, because he's their guy, he's their guy, he's their guy. Blake Wheeler's the same thing, They're, you're going to die on the he's your guy hill until the decision is actually made, and you're like, mm, yeah, we saw this coming. Did you? Did you really? Because I don't know if we did. <laughs> and,
1: and again, if you did, how come you... As everybody will say, how come you didn't talk about it before? You didn't talk about it until after the aftermath, but literally everybody did see it coming, and they talked about it, and then they downplayed it. The local writers did see the truba situation and did see the line a situation and did see the playing time situations, but deferred to well the coach says it's okay, the captain says it's okay, so it's okay so you 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 know you your revisionist history twice right now. You're you're saying you knew it was coming, and that you know when you look back at that stuff, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Well, now you're telling us it was. I just don't get it. It's a lot of weird. Again, he was captain too long, the same as Maurice was coach too long. Why is everything so? It's not even reactionary. It's whatever is after reactionary movements by the by the franchise. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. The, I I find the jets uh relation with the media very very strange over especially over the past few years like i can't to to kind of divert a little bit away from wheeler because i think that that you know we kind of already know how he's been with the media it feels like it's always been like especially in the past you know since like 2020 that the jets are super against anyone who even just asks questions like going back even to like the shifley stuff too like when he, you know, at the end of last season, it was like, you know, losing his mind, kind of having a bit of a temper tantrum. He was like, well, you know, I, I, I got to see what's going on with the team before I make any decisions. And then, and even before then, when I think it was, um, it was after the, the Hab series, when he was like, you know, kind of whining to the media, being like, you guys all had us as, you know, bottom feeders, and look at us now, we, we you know, we got to, or sorry, it was after the, uh, the Edmonton series, look at us now, like, it, it, it's... It's just very strange. And then even like coming back to now with, with Sarah Orleski and having the one-on-one interview that Shifley had, like he he almost completely like did complete revisionist history there regarding being like, oh, I said I love being a Jet and I love this and that. And it's like you, the cameras started recording immediately after uh, when I started saying uh, things like I might just have to reconsider what's going on this year. But like, man, you were upset. You you the, the It seems like all of the people who are in the leadership roles for the Jets, all have this adverse reaction to the media like like it's like it's almost uh, offensive that they're even asking questions to them
1: absolutely yeah, and i
0: think part of it is also like i don't it's not that i blame them i will never in a situation of the white man making eight million dollars a year and other i will usually (laughs) lean on the other side just because that's kind of how i tend to but it's also the way Winnipeg is, right? And you just, you know, that every little word that you say is going to get read into and they're going to be people in their basements like the three of us right now um, talking about it and, you know, diving into what you're saying. But, you know, that's well, all right to do. That's why media availability exists. So I don't feel bad for them in that sense. But part of it could play into that as well. I, I don't know.
1: But then be honest. If you don't want people mis- com- like confusing your words, just be honest. Stop leaving things op- open for interpretation if that's your worry. First of all, and second of all, you never get more softball questions than you do from our media. There's no pushback. There's no questioning. There's no anything negative from them. Despite how both Shifley and Leeler want to be victims, this is the easiest media market there is. There's more spotlight here, or as much spotlight here, less pushback. And they, they need to distinguish the difference because there's no questioning of play. There's no questioning of scenario. There's no questioning of the coach there's none of that in this market and so they should be thankful Blake Wheeler would have had a hissy fit if he played in a hockey market like Toronto or New York or Montreal where the media actually pushes back he had hissy fits here when people said you guys had a bad game last night well I
0: um I I have a question for you both about so you know we we'll talked about like media this that whatever but uh Rick Bonus's media was also very like you know Murat is there and he's like why did you take away the captaincy from player number 26 blake wheeler why and he's like oh change change is important change is good whatever and it's like oh come on no one wants to hear that but that's besides the point but there was one part that and i saw lots of tweets about it people talking where he's like they ask him about the future alternates and he says that he doesn't know the team well enough yet, or I, I'm i definitely mm. ad-libbing this and I'm not giving it really verbatim, but he's like, I don't know the team well enough yet to, to say that. And maybe that's just his way of saying that, you know, we haven't actually, you know, determined who it's going to be. But to me, the fact that you can come out and be like, I knew this team needed a change well enough to strip their captain of the last six years. Of his captaincy when he's like the most beloved Winnipeg Jet to so many people, whatever kind of thing. But I don't know the team well enough to like name a couple of alternates. I thought that was just a very, very curious part of the media availability.
2: I'm I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of I already have an idea, but I'm not ready to tell you guys yet. I think
0: oh oh okay. there was also never that mind. that's that's less that's okay um, that's lame never mind
2: but but <laughs> but regardless I mean he. One of the things that he very much said was he was like, oh, I wasn't here last year, but very clearly there has been issues. And, you know, again, uh, going back to what I said at, at the start of this episode, like, I still think it's a good thing, obviously. It's like, at, at very least, yes, it is a half measure, but it's a measure in the right direction, of course. And, you know, I, I do believe at least it, it does send a message to the team, at least to be like, oh, definitely. you know, there, there are more, op- uh, you know, there's more oxygen in the room. I feel like it's a is thing that's been said a lot um for other people to talk and you know get get their uh, you know be a leader in the room. You know, guys like like Nick Ehlers you would hope to have stepping up. You'd have like guys like Kyle Connor as they're kind of the new core going forward. Obviously we have only those two years left for like Wheeler, Scheifele, uh Hopefully we've sent Hellebuck, but but yeah, I don't know. What, what who do, who would you guys have, you know, keyed in as the 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 alternates coming up this year?
0: Well first my first question is are they just going to add to the current alternates? Because to me, taking making a whole thing of taking a letter away from Blake Wheeler, as much of a half measure as it is, the other half of that measure is also canceled out by leaving a letter on Mark Shifley because it's the same thing at this point. Mm -hmm. So like, I would take it away from him too, just for funsies, but I kind of don't foresee that happening. I don't know, I'm gonna think about it for a second and I'll defer to Chris on what your thoughts are on that.
1: Um, I think, obviously, um, Josh Morrissey will be an assistant captain. If, if they name a captain this year, he'd probably be named captain as well, would be my assumption. Uh, we had this conversation, actually, at some point since the spring on the, on the podcast, um, which is funny. We should go back and figure out what we all said. Um, and then Lowry would be an ob- other obvious fit to me. Um, a lot of people have Ehlers and Connor. Um, I think that would send a good message as far as uh, the, quote, young guys that are both 26 years old are the new <laughs> new leadership group. Um, that said, I don't necessarily um, see either of them from what we know about them as mm-hmm. leadership type guys, right? Uh, they don't, neither of them have, seem to have super strong personalities. Neither of them seem to be um raw raw type guys especially connor isn't ehlers maybe a little more so um so I, I find those two curious choices i'm not saying i would be surprised if they were picked but they wouldn't be kind of the guys i would suspect mm-hmm. uh, with schmidt's personality he might be one um and uh, you know that's maybe more than likely so
0: I fully agree with the Ehlers and Connor thing. Like, I think there are two best players that don't wear goalie pads, but I don't know if I see it as a fit for them as individuals super well. I don't really know. Adam Lowry, I agree with, but I actually don't really want to see that just because I really don't want to add to the added sense of importance this team seems to have that he is so untouchable and so invaluable to this team when he's genuinely just like a bottom six dude. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to add to his worth. He's already overpaid. He already plays in a little bit too big of a five on five role in my opinion. And I just don't really want (laughs) to add to that. Um, But that's also just me being really nitpicky. Um, So I don't really want to see that one. Um, But I... You know, if Dubois wasn't so insistent on leaving, I would be interested in him because I like him, but also because just this year, I remember, like, remember who was it? There was some guy on Twitter who went through, like, the statistics of who went for media availability after losses, and Blake Wheeler went after, like, one loss this year, and same thing with Shifley went for, like, three, but... Um, Adam Lowry and Perlick Dubar were like every single game. Nikolai Ehlers too. Um, but to me like that, like those are random indicators. Again, we're fans, right? We're not in the organization. We're not seeing everything that's going on. We're not making that call because we don't know everything about these players, but we make our calls on this show on Twitter in conversation about (laughs) what we do see and things like that are a pretty evident picture to fans and also how things look with the fans should matter to these people. So
2: my, my personal guess, um, would be obviously, yeah, it would be Morrissey will have a letter. If he doesn't, we all riot. Um, oh, yeah. it will probably be Lowry. And I completely agree with what you said, Liz. I, I don't want to add to any, you know, to his, his, uh, what's it called? His resume as his for weirdly reasons. Weirdly
0: untouchable status. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, don't get me wrong. Love Adam, Adam Lowry. He's just paid too much and not as good as everyone thinks he is. Unfortunately. Um, my guess, I think Schmidt gets an A I would say, I think for me, okay. This is completely uh, dependent on if they do have plans at all to trade this player or not. And I think they don't based on their off season, but I think Brendan Dillon also wears an A. I, I, there was, I know I, I see, I see you cringing at that, at at that. But the thing is, there was, there were lots of reports about how he kind of made him and Schmidt were both players who kind of welcomed in the young defense and like kind of gave them like a lot of mentorship. I again, give him a letter then. And I mean, hey, what do you, th- how do you think this organization, uh, will actually choose it? So I would, I would honestly be, sh- I would be surprised if he doesn't have an A coming this next season. I don't think that's cr- right. I, I would prefer to give that A to, even, even if it's symbolic to a guy like Ehlers or Connor, just to be like, yeah. hey, you know, like you guys are, you guys are this team and, you know you may not be leaders fully right now but we need you guys to be leaders as you guys are the most important players on this team but um but yeah my my guess is that they roll out four assistants and then obviously they have someone switching each game kind of thing depending on home and away because you only have three i think so my guess would be morrissey lowry schmidt and dylan but i don't i don't, I don't, I don't think that's think the right schmidt
0: move. and dylan just because it feels like a very non-jets thing to do to not do the quote-unquote our guys those are two defensemen you just traded for and i feel like they want to go with someone that they drafted and developed or like one of their guys but they i don't know
2: but they traded capital for them for them so it's like it's it's one of those things where i i go maybe they go these because you know chevy last year even this year when he was talking about you know, the off season and how they didn't really do much. He was like, well, the year before everyone was kind of penciled in as, as contenders based on these two trades. And so like, maybe those are his guys now. So I obviously, Chevy um, doesn't make the leadership decisions there. Yeah. But, uh.
1: I was going to say the jets have a real weird relationship with the quote, our guys thing. And we've talked about that a lot on here, right? How guys that you would assume are their guys are the ones that get the short end of the stick, like pain and Niku and uh it's the
0: europeans i swear to well, god that, I, I i don't know what it is
1: i think that's maybe more <laughs> realistic of a reason i mean obviously not you know um because yeah i kind of agree with you uh brady that sometimes the guys they trade for sinus free agents turn into quote their guys and so I, yeah it, it's all over the place i remember the days i'm somebody that remembers the days where your captain was your best player and then a lot of teams did kind of like one shitty player that was a good leader, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the the Matt Hendricks. I, I literally was gonna say a Matt Hendricks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then some sort of other guy that you know, uh, like the Morrissey thing or whatever, um, because there was all there. As much as maybe the uh, significance of having a letter is still the same. There was a, a time there where you could trade assistant captains and all that kind of thing, and it wasn't really, you know, a big deal. And I, 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 although I do agree with what you guys are saying about the Lowry thing, it's another thing on the, on the list of, is this really a franchise guy that you're like, that's one of your core guys, a completely replaceable player? Fourth liner, a good
0: but to me, with Adam Lowry, it's the kind of thing where it's like. As an isolated event, I love the concept, but you should be compensating people who are, you know, strong contribute contributors to their team um, off the ice and as leaders with things like a letter, not with a five million dollar contract or whatever. I, I don't remember how much he makes. It's yeah, you're we bang that.
1: on. You're bang on. I th- wasn't I right. Th- I th- so,
0: like on its own, um, but uh, I also think that uh, like. If this is happening a couple of years later, I am so convinced that Cole Perfetti is gonna be captain of the Winnipeg Jets one day. So I wanna make sure there's room for him. Oh, yeah. If we go alternate captains for the next three years, and then when Perfetti's ready to be given the seat, you won't hear any complaints from me. So <laughs> oh,
1: just uh, going going back to what I was saying about having spoken about this, I remember speaking about it because I brought up the fact that we've had three separate guests on Jet Centric podcasts that over the last three or four years that we've been doing the show that have told us without a doubt that Josh Morrissey would be the next captain of the jets. Uh, and that was in his rookie year. Um, and his second year we've had guests on here say, there's no doubt that once Wheeler's time was up, he would be the next, the next guy. So um,
0: I wouldn't be mad about that.
1: I that wouldn't. speaks volumes. He's got what three or four years left. And I'm sure
0: Oh, more than that. I think, isn't he locked up for like life?
1: Well, I thought it was a i thought it was five, but you could be right that it was more like seven and then he's got five yeah and then he'll i mean he'll be re- here after that one anyway so I would say it's yeah. more than more than likely that he's the next captain next year for the foreseeable future that that's just my my guess
2: if he feels like a, a jets for life or yeah he's signed till twenty twenty eight and, and okay so they, to they me yeah him. yeah
1: that seems yeah. like a absolute no brain i would actually be shocked if he wasn't named by the end of this season even though they've said you know maybe you never maybe. know
0: so are you guys in that you do think that shifley will lose his a yeah they have um, to redo the whole thing
1: go
2: ahead brady i i i don't know i don't i, I i'm really 50 50 on it because it, it feels like it, it's it's almost um it's almost, you know, Sheffield and Wheeler just feel like a package deal for me. So it's like, if you're doing one, you got to do the other. But I also, maybe that's like a, a, a sign of, of, hey, we believe in you kind of thing. And you can actually be uh, not uh, a goof and you can actually, you know, play in both ends of the ice. Um, but also, you know, if it were me picking, I definitely, definitely think it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, let him be just a guy who goes out and scores points and if he wants to earn it back who, like who knows like give give him the opportunity to say like listen we're going to take this away from you for a little bit um, you know do your chores and uh, maybe you can get your toy back
0: no I agree and I think that like you're saying like it. I think it sends a fuller message if <laughs> you complete the plan of man this team was messed up last year let's fix what messed it up with what we have the capacity to fix, right? Because Rick Bonus can't come in and be like, wow, this team is messed up and trade six players. He doesn't have the power to do that. But he does have the power to do, you know, roster changes within what he has, the constraints he has been given from Chevy or Chipman or whatever. And he has the power and ability to change letters. So I think that it sends a, a complete message if you do it for Wheeler and for Shifley. Just one of them, to me, isn't enough to complete. Like, the... The message, if you want to send it, make sure you're doing it the full, correct way.
2: What what do you think happens if 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 we come, if they come back and it's Morrissey, Wheeler gets an A, and Shifley gets an A, and Lowry gets an A? How do no, you way. Feel?
1: no way. <laughs> no way. What, that the would odds? be the
0: most Winnipeg Jets thing that could
1: happen, <laughs> That's when you would know officially that Mark Chipman runs the team. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, that, that would be like, him going in and sewing them on himself well with the keys right mm-hmm. like no nah, there's there's no way that being said it wouldn't be completely crazy if one of them ended up with one um mm-hmm. not saying that that's what any of us want but i don't think that that would be i can't i can't see it being wheeler though uh-uh.
2: yeah he, be he's odd. he's
1: been told right he's been told that what's happened here the last few years don't wash. So I don't see that happening. Um,
0: What do you guys think is the reason for, like, we always complain. We love to complain. That's great. But we don't work for these teams. Obviously people feel a little bit less strongly about this than some of the people on this show do. But what do you think the reason is that people like Rick Bonus, for example, see an issue with what Blake Wheeler's done? Is it, the underperformance of the team? Is it the Patrick line trade? Is it a combination of a bunch of small things? Like what, what do you think? Like, let's speculate for a second. What do you think Rick bonus sees as the main issue here?
2: Well, I, I think it's, I mean, obviously in, in the hiring process, I think that it's been well known even out to the public that there's been issues in the, in the locker room. It's It's been very clear that there has been a divide um, again, going back to every single player who's had to get traded out of here: Patrick Line, Jack Roslick, uh Truba. The list goes on. E- even Paul Stastny leaving this se- this season, I also think sends uh, a bit of a message too. That that you know, and his what was his quote in his exit interview? Like, you got to have respect for the people on your team. It was something along the lines of that. What was the question again? Sorry, I completely forgot.
0: <laughs> what do you think? the Winnipeg Jets or whoever made this call for Blake Wheeler thinks the problem is with him? Oh, uh,
2: well, I think, I think it, it has to do, I mean, coming in Rick, Rick bonus is very much a vibes kind of coach. He, even when he came in, uh, in his, in his first interviews, like it there was no X and O's talk. There was no systems talk. It was just, we're going to be harder to play against. And uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to fix the room kind of thing. So I think it's been communicated to him that, you know, we need this room this room has had some some issues with it um dating back to you know Dustin Bufflin leaving to whoever leaving and that's some a key thing that we want you to come in and fix and kind of from a top down you know clean up this you know the the dressing room and make sure that you know they're play, the team's playing for each other and not just playing for individual statistics you know
1: yeah, I'm on the same kind of thought process of that. They know it's a it's a league known thing that there was problems in the dressing room. There's that interview with um, James Patrick, I think it was, uh, oh, yeah. on his podcast where he spilled some tea about how Kevin Hayes said it was the worst dressing room he had ever been in. Right. I think those. I think those things get around. Um, we've known as a podcast group that Shifley and Wheeler are actually not. Tied at the hip only on the ice that they don't actually get along with each other very well and they're they're really divided um so that's something and then we've always talked about how i can't see a scenario where a guy like nick ehlers patrick line um walk into a dressing room that's run by an asshole like like paul maurice and has these old untouched veterans on the team i can't see how you could be well feel welcome in a in an environment like that when you're clearly like the two best players on the team and you're playing on the second line and not getting power play minutes and stuff like that. Um, And then there's the old school, like you were saying Brady about um, Rick bonus kind of being old school and a feeler and all that kind of stuff. There's an old CFL uh, hall of famer, Ron Lancaster that was a great player that ended up being a really great coach. And he had a thing where he said that your job as a coach is to get rid of the assholes and kind of every team has like 20% assholes and it's your job as the coach to figure out who they are to get rid of them and usually it takes about three or four years to get rid of them on a football roster right that's 50 50 players and his track record really spoke for itself because every time he went to a new job within three or four years they were always a really good team we often talk about you just put the best players on the ice and I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, right? Is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we need guys that are good in the room. No, the Jets need guys that are good on the ice. Um, that, that's, that, that's what a coach, that is said, a
2: coach is supposed to be that's
1: good That's right. But that said, right. if, if your 22 guys turn into seven of them are an asshole, it doesn't matter how many good players you have if they're not committed, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll give a good example, and we don't know this. This is a speculation as well. Nick Batan is a great example. Will he pump his tires for six years on this podcast? If he was a piece of shit, which is completely likely, there's a reason why he wasn't playing, right? If Sammy Niku was a piece of shit, there's a reason why he never got his chance, right? Because maybe there's and enough I heard assholes. he kind of was. <laughs> right. So maybe there's already enough assholes in that dressing room for the last six years that they didn't want to add a Nick Patan or a Sammy Niku who are just going to make it more toxic, right? That's a possibility that we don't know about. Or sometimes we do, but... They hit their quota <laughs> of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they have their quota of assholes,
0: right. And uh, I'd rather play an asshole who's good than an asshole who sucks.
1: I agree. And and again, it's also the opposite is, is bullshit too, that you're going to bring in a guy that can't play like Matt Hendricks because he's a good guy. No, you can find a good guy that can play. But that's how they do it. So like I always preach to you guys, let's think about things the way True North thinks about them, not the way we think about them. It seems more logical that that would have uh, something to do with it, right? That uh, they want to keep the asshole level down, and um, and now you get a guy like Rick Bonus is going to say, "I don't." And he did the same thing in, in Dallas. Let's not forget, Sagan and Ben are also notorious jerks. And what happened to them? They're not. Noted. They didn't play. They lost their letters or whatever, right? Same thing. So. I don't think it's much of a surprise if he knew what was going around was actually happening. Right.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I think, uh, you know, as much as we could continue talking about this, I think I'm kind of exhausted on the Blake Wheeler front. I think (laughs) I've, I I saw him at this dinner the other day and I was like, you know what? I just don't want to, we're not, we're not going down this road right now. (laughs) Um, But Rick bonus, like, I'm very curious to see how the start of the year goes. I'm definitely going to try and make um, my schedule work to go catch some training camp if I can, things like that, um, just cause I'd like to see, um, you know, what's kind of going on there. Um, but what's, like how are we feeling about kind of the off season that happened there with, you know, whether it be the Rick bonus hiring or some of the things that have happened since then. And you know, what? where are our thoughts at with this team for, for the off season that just happened? Brady, I'll, I'll throw it to you.
2: Um, again, kind of going back to what I was saying before this, this felt like it should be an off season of change. Um, and yet the jets have elected to in quotes, run it back as, as we've all joked about and seen, uh, the quotes, um, But, yeah, I mean, like, it it was pretty underwhelming, obviously. Um, The main thing was that the Jets were fine on defense last year, and obviously they didn't really sign anyone except for uh, Kyle. I I don't even know his name. Um, And so the defense kind of stayed as it is, although we still have that logjam. Would love to see that kind of rectified and them figure out who their top six is going to be and, and, you know, move the assets that aren't going to be playing uh, and figure out, you know, how to get some of the younger guys in um but on the offensive side of things uh the jets have decided to just go with uh th- they finally decided the youth need to play um but uh they've done it on the side of um you know on the forward side of things rather than the de- defensive side of things which is where i think the, de- you know, the defense is where i we need our our prospects playing more um so yeah i mean the only signing we had on on the forward side of things was sam gagne and kevin Stenlund, who's like a Fourth liner at max, probably going to be put on waivers, and someone will pick him up. I'm sure. Um, so it was pretty underwhelming. And then obviously you have cop leaving, you have Stasny leaving to a lesser extent, Sveshnikov leaving, which I have no goddamn idea why. Uh, unless unless Sveshnikov just said I'm not signing here, uh, I have no idea why they didn't bring him back. He was, I, I thought great, and he's not old, and you know I don't know. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see if if like, for example, Cole Perfetti is the guy who we're all looking at. Uh hopefully he can, you know, fill that hole kind of left by cop. Um I don't expect him to be fantastic defensively just because he's young, but um hopefully he can at least fill in on the points side of things uh, you know, for the offense. Um but other than that, it's kind of it. I mean I like this the Sam Gagne Sam Gagne, uh signing. I can't say his name. But again, it's just a little too little for me. I think the Jets kind of are really in need of of uh, another middle six forward. But but hey, who knows? Maybe morian Barron is the savior, and he can play in the middle six. Uh, I'm uh, he was he looked good, but uh, let's not all pump his tires. I, I know we all lost our mind when Jansen Harkins first started playing, and look at him now. He's you know he's fine. He's a guy. Um, but hopefully Barron can be you know a bit better than just a guy. Um, so pretty underwhelming is my opinion, um, uh, on all that. I'll let I'll let someone else talk here and it won't take up all the oxygen in the room. Call back.
1: I, uh, (laughs) I find it funny. I, every year I feel like Chevy just, and we joke about it, but I'm not making a cottage joke. I guess I kind of am, but I feel like he'll walk into work last week, turn on the light and on the whiteboard, they'll have the franchise depth chart and it'll be like oh fuck we got nine defensemen for six jobs Ah, what are we going to do about this oh well we're short two middle six forwards what are we going to do about this it's like anybody can see this logjam on defense everybody can see their short forwards and they just do nothing it's 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 just mind-boggling and, and then on top of it, you could throw out the obvious of trading for Jesse Pugliarvi, which is bringing in a guy that fits in the middle six, that has great underlying numbers, that needs out of his situation for one of your defensemen that you have too many of to a team that needs a defenseman. Even taking that away, what what are they looking at when they're going, we're going to give Hanlon and Sandberg a chance to play this year, and then you look at the depth chart and you're like, there's nowhere for them to play.
2: Every, every day we inch closer to Billy Hanola and Dylan Sandberg starting the season in the AHL and it's infuriating.
0: Don't don't even let me get started because I, I can't do it.
1: Just say they're not going to play because we don't have the room or
0: get rid no, of... No, but Cole Perfetti and Billy Hanola are vying for important <laughs> roles on the team this season. Like, shut the hell up. I <laughs> to be fair, man. that was
2: written by someone who doesn't, doesn't f- uh, follow the Jets, I think, so... No, but we but, all lost our But the Jets
0: reposted it, and they were like, "Yes, <laughs> promoting that article. Like, why would you say something like that? Like, don't, just don't.
1: don't it just doesn't again. make any sense. It the, the math to me. And then again, it's sort of like the running it back thing. If you're just running it back, okay. So if you're running it back because you thought your team last year was good enough, okay. Let's say that that's the case, right? Because that's what they've said. Okay, so they think last year's team was good enough. They just fell short on expectation with their with the crazy year okay that's what they've said if that's the case you've now lost two of your nine best forwards and haven't replaced them so if you really just think you're as good as you were last year don't you have to at least replace those two players at minimum i don't get it i don't understand if you're trying to lose lose if you're trying to win win and even if they're just trying to be in this middle which it seems like you're not going to be because you haven't you're not even good enough to do that
0: yeah and like As I think the whole sat. concept of running it back is just dumb in general when your team is bad. like uh, like you said, like if you're gonna be bad, be bad. but it's absolutely foolish and arrogant to think if you're on any team that doing nothing is your best course of action unless your team, won 16 straight games in the playoffs and won the stanley cup your team always has room for improvement and if you're hoping to improve then improve it admit the things that you've done wrong admit the things that just didn't work out even though they're the right call at the time and fix them don't just be like oh let's just like pad up and fill bodies because our team could have been better last year and they weren't so let's hope that they will actually be better this year because no like that's literally not going to happen like I don't know. I've never understood that theory and sp- that, that logic in sports. Like, C-Map, you've talked about the arrogance of NFL coaches before and how they're kind of like that and they just do what they want to do. And if it doesn't work out, they get fired after a couple years and then go with the same philosophy a couple cities over. Like, sure, whatever. But don't pretend that you're doing it in the best interest of the team if you're actually just doing it in the best interest of yourself and your own, you know, reputation mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call do- it.
2: I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I don't agree with anything I'm saying. I'm just saying I can... I can twist myself into a weird mental knot, uh, to make it make some sort of sense to run it back. And I think that that is what Chevy and the organization has done. And also it's just the easiest thing to do. I don't think it's right. Um, you know, if, if you want to, cause again, it, it the jets love their excuses from, for how long now, since Bufflin left, since Truba left, since uh Myers, Sherrott, everyone. Since then they've just been going off of excuses, excuses, excuses. And if we just look at last year, you know, start of the season, Jets get two uh NHL caliber defenders, and you know, people start saying, oh, they might be contenders. So, you know, that sticks into your brain going, hey, you know, people think we have a good team. Season starts, it's not great, Paul Maurice then, you know, resigns, and then the the Jets end up just elevating dave lowry and he just kind of does the exact same thing that pomo has done i can get it in my brain that you know if uh rick bonus can come in and you know the the locker room's an issue so if he can fix that if he can employ uh you know a different um what's it called different systems uh you know if a guy like guys like cole Perfetti can come in and uh you know fill up that spot that you know andrew Cobb was in if morgan Barron can come in and be you know the, uh, the kind of Paul Stastny, uh, Svechnikov replacement that plays in that kind of third line bottom six kind of thing. If David Gustafson can, uh, come in and be, you know, a PK guy, uh, and, and be actually a contributor on the team. Um, you know, things can go out. If, if we have injuries, then all of our defensemen will play, you know, it's, it's, I find it always, you know, as Chevy said, I find it, uh, the problem is always when you don't have enough defensemen. um, these are a lot of ifs. These are a lot of ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can twist myself in a knot and go, yeah, if all that happens, things work out for the Jets. And, you know, as I'm saying that, I go, yeah, you know, I, I am excited to see if we can do that. But we, the, the reality is it's probably not going to happen like that. You know, I'm sure Rick Bonus uh, coming in will, will be a, po- a net positive. I, you know, I think that we were stuck in ruts with Pomo, with Dave Lowry, you know, just removing that, like, father-son dynamic also is, is going to be important, I think, too, because that was weird. Um, so there's a lot of ifs. And, and again, I can twist myself into a knot and, and think maybe, it, it, you know, if all the teams in the Central who got better don't perform as good as we thought they would and we perform well, we can get into the playoffs. Those are a lot of ifs. And at the end of the day, even if that's, you know, the the conclusion that you come to that hey we can make playoffs maybe uh and if, even if you do what 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 lies after that uh, mm-hmm. so i i've personally been on the like you should be selling you should be getting as much as you can and getting your your kids to play um you know you should be getting brendan dylan out of here you should be getting adam lowry out of here you should be getting all these guys who take up, you know, you should be trading uh, Dubois, you should be trading uh, Wheeler, you should be trading Shifley, all these guys and just try to, I don't make a pouty face when I say trade Dubois. You know it, it will have to be done, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> it but, will, I know.
2: But but the reality is more than likely we end up getting to the end of the season. The Jets underperform and then they do some something either smart at the deadline and they actually move the guys who they should. Um, a guy like Dubois should be able to fetch you a lot for getting, you know, uh, does he have, is it just this season that he has left or is it the season? Dubois. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, I can't remember. Just this season. I just don't this season. Know. I don't
2: know. Point is <laughs> the Jets have a lot of pieces that should be able to net, uh, a lot of, a lot of assets at the deadline. Guys like Brennan Dillon, guys like, you know, how, how much did Ben Chirot get, uh, at the deadline? Like, a, a almost two firsts? Like what? Uh, so you should be able to get something of note for Brendan Dillon, something of note for Dubois. And maybe the Jets are going, hey, we're just going to see how things go. And, you know, if things go bad, then we just, you know, move some guys and then the next season. But, but not having that, like, I don't know, however many months to not play, you know, Hanola, Sandberg. The, like, you're just going to get the same thing where you're going to get disgruntled players and go, why have... Henol is. I know we obviously pump his tires so much, but he's he's looked ready since he was drafted. Almost like obviously not. I don't think that that would, would have been the best course of his development. But like Jesus, when when it was him playing his nine games and the other player, the other players on the left side were like Carl Dahlstrom, Anthony Bateto. It was it was insane to be like, yeah, you know what? He's not good enough yet. But I don't know. It's neither here nor there. I've I've gone on a rant about. I, well, I can see how they, they twisted their brain and going, you yeah, know, this but work out.
1: all of those ifs sound like, like me with my fantasy football team or, <laughs> you know, running an 11 year old girls basketball team. That's not how you run a professional sports franchise. And then on top of it, like Liz was saying, when you're talking about running it back, you run it back. This is when you run it back. You run it back when you finish second in your division and you lost in the second round in six games and your two best players were injured. That's when you run it back, not when you miss the playoffs by eight points. (laughs) That's the specific difference. Like, this is the problem is you're right. You can talk yourself into it. But, you know, Calgary's the one that needed to talk themselves into running it back. Mm -hmm. You're the third or fourth best team in the league. You got the second best goalie. You got this and that, this and that. Again, that's a special circumstance I'm talking about if it was a different offseason where they didn't lose, right, Goudreau Mm -hmm. and whatever. But you know what I'm saying? That team, yeah. that team, had they had all their guys signed, is a team that runs it back this year. Because yeah. you take a chance, you have a two or three year window. This team isn't in a window right now. Any teams that run it back <laughs> are teams that are in win, are have their window open. I guess is the, the the short way of saying what I just went off saying.
2: My you my favorite you was when the yeah. NHL posted something. It was along the lines of, um, "Will the Jets make use of their window to win?" And every single comment under it was. What window? What do you mean? Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> yeah,
1: I, well, I, in it, the time that crazy. we recorded
0: this podcast, um, the Miami Dolphins scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and I missed it. So uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Do we have much more that we uh, wanted to touch <clears throat> on for this specific um, like Wheeler chat, off-season chat, everything chat?
2: Um, I'm sure it was mentioned on the last podcast. I can't remember if it was. I don't understand how the Jets didn't retain, uh, Eric Comrie that if we're talking about the Jets and their guys, uh, Eric Comrie was their guy for so long. And I don't know if it came down to, uh, you know, just Dave Lowry, not playing him the extra 90 minutes he needed to, or Chevy, uh, I don't know if it was an excuse, but he was like, you know, even if we did retain him, we wouldn't be able to afford him. Um, I don't know. I think that was insane to me. Uh, Dave Riddick, sure. Who cares? He's going to play twenty games. Maybe he can get his feet back under him. He hasn't been good. Uh, if he has, if he when he's played in small samples and like only twenty game seasons, uh, which is what is going to end up happening because Hellbuck's a monster. So I don't, I don't know. It's going to go on on that side of things. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that in.
1: We did, we did talk about the Comrie thing, and I don't think in the eleven years of this franchise, there's been anything more ridiculous in that situation, and that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. The guy that overperformed way more than you ever thought he would, a guy that you've reacquired at least three times, a guy that you drafted, and a guy that you only only needed to play parts of three games, and you couldn't figure it out in a season where he missed the playoffs by eight points. There <laughs> is a nothing, coach. There is nothing more baffling. Like we've talked about, the the general manager needs to be telling the coach that the goalie's playing. Mm-hmm. it's not it's not an option uh, all of that again so you sit there and we spend 20 minutes talking about ts uh, T, true north loyalty and all the crazy things they do and then we can have a conversation 40 minutes later about how ridiculous it is that they couldn't figure that out i don't know it's questionable but we'll have a but. season preview show anyway as well so
0: awesome well, so. well. Um, thanks for coming and sitting down having the chat today. I know it's been quite some time, but uh uh you know, this is I would like to dedicate this episode to AJ. I know this would um would have loved this one. Um, you know, it's been uh, a player a situation that we've speculated about talked about for quite some time, so it's interesting when things, you know, actually happen. Um, is this the move Is this a move that will actually have any significance? Only time will tell. We don't know. But uh, it's always fun to sit down and have a chat about it. So Brady, Chris, thank you very much. And uh, we will see you all next time. Thank you very much.